update on Movie Geeks United. Such a beloved time of every month. There there are the times of the month that you dread. And then there's Blu-ray night. (laughs) Fed with eloquence. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad to know some some people anticipate it. (laughs) Um, Before we get the Blu-rays, I hate to bring up our favorite subject, sexual harassment again. Mm-hmm. But 54 I think uh, today is probably 50 uh, I think it's uh 54 women, 34 women maybe have come forward uh accusing James Toback no less of sexual harassment, which is absolutely no surprise. No. Considering he's built his entire career off of his sex addiction mm-hmm. uh, in some ways. Uh, or at least he's touted it for a long time yeah. <laughs> as, as, a, as a badge of honor. Uh, made a couple of movies about it. Um, and uh, they'll probably be, they'll probably be counting up the number of women who've been approached by him, like for the next uh, 20 years, because <laughs> It would probably come up to like 2,000 women or something like that because he's famous for like hitting on everything that comes into his eye. Yeah. His view. So, uh, uh, yeah, I remember so just... uh, he, 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 came, he came on to Jerry when uh, we interviewed him last time. I mean, it was yeah. pretty aggressive. <laughs> no, I, I want to know I mean, was this all during Harvard, man? Is this all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I, Harvard man was that was that a movie he did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I haven't been following his career in many years. So I mean, you know, the, to me, me the only <laughs> yeah, that's, but but uh, I always thought he was a pig as well. Reading about his uh, exploits behind the scenes, and uh, so it's no surprise to me. This no. is happening. Um, I just think it's funny. But, I mean, the, the revelations, the revelations about Tobac were they were in like Vulture or something many years ago, where where he would uh, fill a bag with DVDs of his movies, <clears throat> and he'd go up to young aspiring actresses and say, "Do you know who I am?" I said, "I'm a famous <laughs> director. Here's one of my movies." And I'm like, "If if you have to explain who you are, then you're not famous." <laughs> yes. No. Yes. But do you guys remember Mike, you know, and he's still in the business, obviously, Mike DeLuca was called out for this back in the 90s, you know, when mm-hmm. he was in charge of New Line? Yep. Uh, I, mean, it was, I remember that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, I mean, I don't want to, nothing's changed, but do, can, we, can I ask a question? Do we think anything's going to change from this? I don't mean to be like, you know, I, I think it's good that these people are finally feel they didn't come forward. But do we? I think I think you mentioned this last week. The only way this is ever really going to change is you need to have more women in um, positions of power. You know, running studios, yeah. running yeah. production but, companies, but, but, being but directors. There's also, there's also if uh, if they have a danger of being crucified by engaging in this behavior, then maybe they'll think twice about in, engaging in the behavior. Right. Uh, I mean, right. if 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 that's the precedence that this sets, then. That's probably a, a good thing. Now, some of the revelations yeah. that have come out, like 
if you come on to somebody and they turn you down and then it all ends there, I don't see that as a, as a big deal. But if you right. if you physically if you cross a if you cross a boundary or entrap someone or you know put them in a situation where they feel threatened, then that right. is a big deal. And, you know, yeah, you're locking the out. door on them and stuff, and you know you can't leave and all that stuff. I mean, come on, please. <laughs> that's yeah, that's ridiculous. And that's what Tobac did. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise. That's the sad thing with some of these guys. It just doesn't surprise me. And it, and it didn't back then, but give people position, you know, people in positions of authority and power and money. I mean, I think we're going to hear about this in Silicon Valley. It's not already, and obviously we've heard about it in Wall Street. Um, so I just think this is, I mean, maybe this is the turning of the tide, I would like to think, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, we, it seems though this time, it, uh, we've never, I've never seen anything where it's been so prevalent, the revelations. But it's good. If women feel that they can come forward and finally that they can come out, that's good. Yeah, it is. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm particularly in, in the larger yeah. in the larger cultural context. It'll be interesting how this plays into the male female dynamic because these are both kind of old school guys, and I feel like this new generation coming up maybe aren't as um, I don't know. Like we, I'm, I'm thinking about where is it? Is it in Shanghai or China or? Somewhere where they don't even date anymore, they have mm, computer girls. Japan, in Japan, yeah, everything is Japan. No, yeah, they're curbing. There's there's very few pregnancies. Uh, nobody's dating. Uh, everybody has mm. imaginary girlfriends. Like mm. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, the, there's there's like a gender relationship thing at play here too. That I, I think this behavior that we're hearing from Toback and Weinstein probably represent kind of an older generation of harassment. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's sort of like the, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the kind of uh, sexual harassment that we saw in kind of in Mad Men, for instance. You right. Know, that's, that's, that's what we're <clears> – <throat> yeah, but it, it will be interesting to see if any younger people get uh, – get, get, caught up in this. Right. Um Yeah, but then again you also have Harry Knowles and he's not of that generation. I mean No, 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 no. But but it, it, it's not as disgusting as what Toback and Weinstein have done uh, with rape and mm-hmm. ejaculating on people, but you know. <laughs> no, but they the thing with Thanks Harry for bringing Knowles, this up and, by the way, Dean. I know third week in a row, but what can you do? You know, it's it's there in the you're, headline. You're just trying no, to give Adam the, the 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 most ideal possible introduction to his segment. Yeah, <laughs> no, really. I mean, it, Adam only looks good right now. It doesn't matter what we talk about. I mean, Adam just looks awesome right now. He, he can't, <laughs> we can only go up right now. I mean, hey, uh, just to change the subject, can I can I mention a movie that I saw this week that I think is one of the best movies of the year, and then we can I guess move on to DVDs or whatever. Okay. Uh, um. Oh. I saw this week uh, S. Craig Vailer, is that his name, Uh, who did uh, Bone Tomahawk uh, Uh a couple of years ago. Oh, you watch watch Brawl and Cell Block 99? Yes. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. God. What a great movie. 
it's a sick movie. It's a sick. It's a sick. He's obsessed with like breaking bones and everything. There's no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> he definitely is. You, I think we're we're to the point where we can expect some carnage when we see a uh, S. Craig Zayler movie. Yeah. But, um, this is a lot better than uh, than Bone Tomahawk was. If you oh, ask no. me, I, I liked Bone Tomahawk, but I thought it was a little cliched and. Uh, a little long, and this one's long too. It's two hours and twelve minutes, but um, you know it does. It, it speeds right by. Vince Vaughn is in it as a former boxer, uh, who um, at the beginning of the movie is kind of forced into becoming a drug runner, um, and uh, that's it's a, a that's a euphemism if I've ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I wish. The jobs I've taken in the past that were forced. Jesus Christ, dude! He didn't have much of a fucking choice. I mean, (laughs) yes, force is nice. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, and then it it begins very interestingly. You know, you think, oh, this is going to be a prison movie, and it's it's it doesn't really get to the prison until a good hour into the movie. But uh, but it's all very interesting as uh, we see. Vince Vaughn, who's really, I don't think he's ever given a better performance than he does here. I mean, I think he is absolutely great in this movie. Um, and uh, so we see him spiraling down in his in his life of crime, and uh, he's he's got a wife played by Jennifer Carpenter, uh, who's, uh, uh, you know, who their relationship begins on very shaky ground, but... Uh, seems to get stronger as the movie goes goes on, uh, and uh, uh, when he when he finally gets to the prison, uh, even the prison that he first goes to, you know, he, is uh, well. We think, oh, this is it, but uh, it even gets worse from there. Let me just say that <laughs> the, the prison that he first goes to is like heaven compared to where he ends up, but. Uh, I don't want to give too much of it away, but I just want to say that it uh, it is masterfully directed. Uh, it, it, uh, I I thought the the cinematography and the um, the art direction and uh, st- strangely enough, it, uh, you know, I, I, and the score. Uh, S. Craig Zayler, uh, I got to mention this, uh, wrote co-wrote uh, the score. Which consists all of really vintage-sounding soul music. Um, yeah, I mean it sounds absolutely like it's coming from the 1970s, uh, and it is coming from people like the OJ's and Tavares, and uh, but uh, but it, it, it is uh, it is of a recent vintage, and uh, it's it's really shocking how uh, authentic that that music is. Uh, it's got really great score. Um, almost Kubrickian in its in it and some of its uh, shots. You know, uh, you know, lots of wide angle lenses and uh, washed out. Um, you know, lighting and, and and there yeah and there are primates beating each other with bones, which is the, probably the most <laughs> Kubrickian. Yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it's great. It's great. Just uh, check it out. It's got uh, just to let you know some of the people that you can look forward to seeing in it. Uh, it's got Udo Kier in it as one of the villains. Uh, uh, 
And, and uh, Don Johnson, man. Don Johnson as the prison warden is like, oh, I was so excited when I saw Don Johnson pop up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it was great, right? No, I, I really, say, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked Edger. it, but I didn't love it as much as you guys. I gotta say, it's like you watch a movie like that, and the first five minutes, you're like, my God, this is like screenwriting 101. Um, and, and I just couldn't. And, and for the moment when he beats the shit out of his car, I, I sort of had trouble taking the movie seriously after that. I was like, oh my God, this is foreshadowing for morons. Um, I was like, oh my god, I couldn't, I was just like, I mean, no, it's a fun movie, don't get me wrong, it's a fun movie, but I couldn't, I just couldn't take it seriously at all, and I mean, I, I like Bone Tomahawk, because I didn't even know who this guy was, so I liked that, just because it, it was very novel, but he is obsessed with just the, I mean, when he's beating the shit out of everyone in the prison, it, I just couldn't keep a straight face. I mean, I loved it though. I mean, it was like a. Was what were you expecting? I don't know. I mean, it's 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 the next. I wasn't expect. I was expecting just like a. No, it's exactly what I expected. But I, I just, I'm, I'm just thrilled that you like something. I mean, every you know, when you come on, it's like a fucking eulogy for cinema every week. So I'm just happy you like something for once. That's not it's true. Like, that's what, I no, mean. No, you know, that's, no, Dean, 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 you're a buzzkill, dude. If I ever want to, like, if I, Dean, if I ever need to. If I ever, if I don't need help, but if ever I need want to commit suicide, I just need to hear your voice talking about movies today, and it's it's the perfect thing. To, it's the per- but you know you do, dude. You are like a you are like a eulogy for cinema. But no, I'm very happy to hear you like it. I mean, I like it. I didn't what can I say? Like I mean, uh, you know, cinema's not as good as it once was. I'm just here. I'm just here commenting on on what's the truth. No, that's fine. Um, that's fine. I don't know. It's, it's the truth for you, not for the rest of us. It's just the truth for you, though. Don't forget. I mean, it's just as my opinion is only what I see. But I just, dude, it's just so nice to you talk about something. Even if you told me you love Medea too, I would be happy. Um, whatever that is. <laughs> I I be I be thrilled. I mean, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, all right. Well, I I, I would I, I really like to Dean Dean wet blanket to Treadway uh, aside. <laughs> uh, I uh, I really I liked it too. Uh, and ap- apparently, this guy's made two movies, and we can kind of figure out his mo. He, he he's right. in love with brutal. He's in love with brutality. He's in love with yes. genre, uh, yes. and especially the elements of genre that are exploitative. Uh, and mm-hmm. he he has an mo where in the third act you're going to see some oh shit moments when it comes yeah, to the yeah. carnage. Um, now I yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to say I did I did like as a construction I did like Bone Tomahawk more because it was more surprising yeah. to me the elements that were intertwined uh, made it really surprising to me I, I I expected to see a level of violence in a prison movie um, yeah but. But I, I thought this was perfectly good, uh, and uh, Vince Vaughn is a very commanding presence in this, and it's so such a relief to see him outside of something other than a stupid comedy, where he yes. his heft, his heft, and his build and his his mm-hmm. uh, height is actually played. Uh, it's a, it actually plays an essential role in yes. uh, making making him believable in this movie. They use right, it right. to the advantage of the film. Um, right. And the character turns are really good. I like I like the plot turns where he has to navigate himself to a different prison and he has to make trouble uh, in right. order to accomplish something to save a loved one. Um, I like this kind of pre- easygoing. I like this kind of easygoing character. I thought uh, uh, you know, 
he projected uh, calmness in the face of in the face of you know complete rage uh, quite well. Uh, and um, well, because he was rage. I mean, I thought. Yes, was, I mean, you know, like rage. he wasn't. I, mean, I don't he, know. But, I like the movie. I just don't like it as much as the previous film. I guess is what I'm saying. Because as Jamie said it perfectly, uh, you know, we're just we we expect now. We now expect to see this third act of. Holy shit moments. So that's fine. I mean, but I just I like the first movie better. I won't lie to you. Mm. Yeah, I thought I I thought Bon Tomahawk was very good, but I, I you know I I didn't I didn't dig it as much as this one. I thought this one had better dialogue and uh, I I just just thought it was much more exciting. Uh, but yeah, I, don't I, thought, know, I, I guess... thought people were given a, I thought people were given a chance to talk more in Bone Tomahawk. Because there's a lot of scenes where they're around a campfire and and they're waxing poetic on a number right. of things, which yeah, actually lulls you lulls you uh, into not expecting that the carnage of that conclusion. Right. Mm. Because, yeah. But this has a similar oh shit moment to violence in it. Oh uh, yes, it does. Somebody's some, somebody's face on the concrete that's pretty <laughs> <laughs> over the top brutal. Jesus. Yes. Yes. Very much he so. Really good movie. Makeup, makeup effects will definitely should get some kind of recognition for this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, the I mean, even... nomination I'm pulling for. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get a best song nomination, personally, because yeah. I think that closing yeah. song is is fantastic. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I can't uh, wait that to would see be that weird. Performed at, performed at the Oscars <laughs> with the two <laughs> yeah. the podcast. Yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> oh man! But uh, yeah. Anyway, Adam, did you see it? Did you see that movie, Adam? No, no, I have not. I'm, I'm. It's on my radar. I heard them talking about it on Film Week a week or two ago. Uh, that uh, that show they do on the public radio out in L.A. I listen to that every week, and they were kind of going on about it and and responding pretty enthusiastically to it. So it was on my radar from then on, and then now hearing you guys, I gotta I gotta catch up to it. It's it's very good. I'm sure it's better than anything you're going to talk about tonight. Let's put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's some pretty good stuff here. I, I know I've said that before, but I was I, I've been uh, there's an inordinate uh, amount of good titles. I'll say that. Okay. So, Let's get to oh it. Oh God. Okay. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah, so, well, well, when you said you, when Dean said he had seen one of the best movies of the year, I, I thought for sure there for a moment he was going to say Cult of Chucky, but, uh, he... <laughs> no, no. You know, I've no. never seen, I've never watched one of the Chucky movies. Not one. Uh... I will never watch them. <laughs> I just can't, talk about can't take something seriously. Oh, please. Uh, you know, no way. Uh, well, actually, the first one is pretty effective. I think it's still pretty good, um, but the rest of them... I don't know. Well, I, th- I think Jennifer Tilly is pretty effective to me. Well, movies, this is so. true. You, yeah, if you, yeah, you can, that's no argument there. But uh, the newest one has... Uh, we've gotten to the point where Brad Dourif's uh, daughter is uh, in it, and T- Chucky's terrorizing his daughter in the film, so it's, <laughs> that's where we're at now. Oh boy, Brad yeah, Dourif! What an, inter- what an interesting guy to go yeah. from Cuckoo's Nest to Chucky fame. I mean, and he takes it seriously too. He takes the Chucky movie seriously. Oh, he does. Yeah, he mm. really, really does. All right, but, what, t- what titles do we have? 
Okay, yeah. well, one of my one of my uh, titles that I'm it's gonna this is gonna make uh, my year end list for sure top ten films of the year. Did not see it in a theater because we didn't get it in a theater where I live in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. But uh, thankfully, Kino went ahead and put it out. Leonard Maltin was really uh, singing the praises of this one also as a guest on Film Week earlier this year, and so that that's where it first came on my radar. Uh, it's a film called Harold and Lillian, a Hollywood love story. I uh, don't know if any of you guys have gotten around to that one or know about yeah. it. I know I mentioned we, we it have, we had the We had the director on the show. When okay, came you out did. The That's right. That is right. That is right. Forgotten about that. Well, anyway, it is it is terrific, uh, and it's you know the story of uh, Harold and Lillian uh, Michelson, and they were unsung heroes in the uh, the Hollywood community uh, from the 40s all the way up through the uh, through the, through the the 90s, I guess, early 90s, uh, late 80s at least, and. Uh, he was a storyboard artist, and uh, she was a she had the the only research facility in Hollywood that where the uh, when they were doing productions they would go to her to to um, to verify that things were uh, the way they had them lined up to be in the film or whatever. So uh, and it's a, it's you know it's it's a great film for the historical aspects of it, but not just for that. It's, uh, she just comes across as such a sweet, sweet person. And, uh, it's just such a touching film as well as being informative and, uh, just beautifully done. And, um, can't recommend it enough. Uh, Harold and Lillian, a Hollywood love story. And, uh, Kino has issued the Blu-ray. It's got deleted scenes and Lillian's life lessons and Harold's film school seminar and, uh, storyboarding the graduate. And, uh, just lots of good stuff. He's the guy, actually, who came up with a, the iconic shot, you know, on the poster of The Graduate with uh, where, where uh, Anne Bancroft's legs are, you know, in the, the arched position where you see Dustin Hoffman. You know, he, he did that. That wasn't Mike Nichols. So uh, that's the kind of stuff you find out in this film. Uh, and that a lot of his storyboards were destroyed immediately thereafter because the directors were terrified that people would find out that he... Uh, hit what his contributions were, and that they couldn't take credit for them. So, uh, it's it's just a very 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 great film. So, it anyway, sounds good. Yeah. Hey, a uh, uh, little piece of trivia about uh, the leg in uh, the Graduate. Okay. Okay. That's that is not Anne Bancroft's leg in the movie or the ad. Uh, wow. And Bancroft's and Bancroft's legs were were not up to stuff, <laughs> so they got uh, they got another actress, Michelle Lee, who mm. later became famous on yes. I think Knots Landing, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the Love Bug, of course. Right. So that's Michelle Lee's leg that you see on the movie poster and in the film itself. So. Just to let there, you know. There you are with the wet blanket again, Dean. Yeah. <laughs> All of our fantasies oh, about Anne Margaret. Pulling the curtain away from the <laughs> illusion. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a – I didn't know that. That's something yeah. that I did not know, yeah. Well, yep. uh, so another title that I really have to vouch for this month, uh, this really made me excited, and they kept it secret uh, up until two weeks before it came out. And they finally did a press release, and it came out, and it was just a shock for everybody. It was the uh, 
the extended cut of Superman the movie that was uh, on ABC television in 1982. The masters were thought to be lost uh, because it was you know low resolution because and 1.33 to one frame. So they never put it out commercially because you know everybody thought the footage was lost and. Uh, apparently, about a year ago, uh, there was the, one of the archivists at Warner Brothers was uh, just going through the vaults, and he came across 19 reels of film in a box. It said Superman TV version. So he started investigating, and he saw that it was the actual three-hour and ten-minute cut of Superman the movie in the original 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio. And uh, they immediately had it sent out and color corrected, and they brought in uh, some. It's uh, it's the original editor Stuart uh, Byard. He is not involved in this, but uh, you know the edit, edits on a lot of these TV versions are very jarring, and they've done a really good job transitioning these edits. It's very smoothly done. The color correction is great. It looks great. Uh, and you know, if you're a Superman fan. You know, a lot of some of the scenes are unnecessary, but then there's some stuff there that kind of uh, we actually get to see Lex Luthor play the piano and sing, which is kind of interesting to see Gene Hackman do that, um, and you don't see that in the theatrical cut. And, what does uh, he sing? Um, gosh, I can't uh, I can't remember what the song is, but it's during the last ten minutes of the movie after everything <laughs> has transpired. He, he's just kind of waiting on Superman to come get him because he knows that uh, it's going to happen. But uh, okay. it's it's interesting, and there's you know stuff like uh, there's a scene where Miss Teshmarker is rescued from the lion's den, where you know he fe- he's going to feed her to the lions for uh, betraying him and rescuing Superman, you know, as she did. And so there's there's some interesting, uh, and there's a uh, uh, Larry Hagman has a cameo in it that's not in the original film. So well, he is cameo. in the original movie, but he's only in it, so he's got a bigger exactly. cameo. Yes, he does. Yes, it's okay. it's, a, it's expanded. Uh, but okay. it's it's uh, you know it's 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 a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I have to admit, and like I said, the quality of the disc is is terrific. And you get as a bonus the uh, the regular Superman the movie with all the extras uh, has been remastered, so it's on as a bonus. And uh, did you it, know, it's did it have yeah. to play? Did they play it over two nights or something? Like why did, did that movie did, need yes. more more padding? Okay. Yeah, well, what it was, it was a financial thing. Uh, the Salkines were always, as we know, looking to make an extra buck any way they could. And basically what it amounted to was that the Salkines figured out that if they could stretch this thing out to two nights, they could uh, you know, get double the amount of money. Instead of selling it as a one-night event, they could sell it for two nights and – you know, as as they did with the Three Musketeers by splitting it into two films, and uh, not paying any of the actors for their work uh, for a second film. You know, they got in trouble with that, and they when they did Three and Four Musketeers, so they repeated the same thing here for Superman, but in a different way. They were trying to take mm. one movie and and stretch it out as far as they could to to maximize their dollars, and. Uh, that's essentially where it came from. But so basically, every scrap of film that that they could find, they put it together to to sell to this TV package. But uh, but like I said, some of the stuff is is fun. I I really I have to admit I, I enjoyed it. And um, you know, probably not for the casual fan, but if you but if you've seen it many times and you want a different take on Superman the movie, I would say uh, do it, you know, grab it. It's it's worth it. Mm. So um, okay. Yeah, and uh, the 50th anniversary edition of Night of the Living Dead has been issued by Mill Creek Entertainment. And a lot of us had some high hopes for this because there's been a rumored 4K restoration of the original 
you know, Night of the Living Dead for years, and we all thought, well, this is it. We're finally going to get it. Well, I'm going to tell you, this is not it. It looks terrible. It's uh, even for a Blu-ray, it's 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 washed out. The import, there's a Japanese import. Uh, if you're going to go that way, uh, until the actual 4K restoration is is out there, I would say this is not worth picking up. So I got to be honest. Uh, in case anybody's wondering about the 50th, as it's being billed, 50th anniversary edition. And, you know, it is hopefully next year when it technically is the 50th anniversary, we will get that uh, 4K restoration, which Janus Films has acquired the rights to it, I'm told, even though, you know, the rights have been in limbo. I don't know how they managed to get the exclusivity on that, but they did. But uh, hopefully we'll see that. And I heard. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd like to see that. Uh, the restoration. Uh, and yeah. See if. Uh, because we're all used to seeing it uh, in crappy used prints or uh, yeah. Yeah. on television that, that run the crappy mm-hmm. used prints. Right. Yeah. And uh, movies like that are so effective when they're when they're seen that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's something about the grungy, worn out nature of uh, that that makes it a little bit more atmospheric and effective. But uh, we'll see how the 4K plays. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Jerry, do you remember the, the, the person from Night of the Living Dead that we interviewed in our first year? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We interviewed uh, Barbara, right? Yeah. They're coming to get you. Yeah, because we, had, we, we, yeah, because we had there in that movie Women's Studies that um, a couple of friends of mine did. Yes, I do remember all that. Yes. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> we, I remember I, that because it was our first all Wednesday that. night. I remember our first Wednesday night show. Remember, it was our first Wednesday night show. I do remember that. Yeah. So those were mm. good days. Good days. Good old days, man. Yeah. I'll have to go back and look that one up. <laughs> let's not like let's, let's not all get enthusiastic all at once. Jesus. Yeah. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey. Uh, I'm going to be seeking it out. That sounds good. More, more enthusiasm for a guy for an SS squad, firing squad than that. Okay, um, <laughs> next Adam. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, the, the Night of the Living Dead, Mill Creek Entertainment is, uh, I, and I do have an import uh, of it that looks quite good. Uh, I picked it up a couple of years ago, and uh, so there, the, the imports are better than the, what you're getting domestically. Is the point of all this? So, uh, kill. And sounds kill like you're talking about beer. It's not like an imported beer almost. You know how an imported beer is better than domestic. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If you're a serious home video guy like myself, I mean, you just gotta. There's no option. You have to have a, a region-free Blu-ray player. It's just there's just no way around it because there's I mean, so last, many great. Last week I last week I drank a flat tire in 4K, and it was just <laughs> incredible beer. Just delicious. <laughs> 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 well, how about Kill and Kill Again from 1981 with James Ryan? <laughs> the uh, exciting sequel to the box office hit Kill or Be Killed. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't know they made a sequel. I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah. I watched this on Amazon Prime not too long ago. Okay. And, uh, Really stupid movie, but I really enjoyed it. It was mm-hmm. so. It, it was a lot of fun. Uh you know, like uh, just <laughs> I still remember watching the uh, the first fight scene in it. Might, yeah, might be the second one, uh, um, and uh, and I was just watching it with my mouth open because I just couldn't believe how dumb it was. <laughs> but 
but uh, I but I dug it. I, I I thought it was a lot of fun. It mm-hmm. was a good Saturday afternoon kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. I thought taco movie, taco mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> Big oh, that's a definite taco movie. Definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So. Yeah, how about The Hidden from uh, 1987 with Kyle MacLachlan, which uh, Warner Archives has issued uh, with a couple extras on here, documentary and commentary. And, uh, Didn't we talk about this last month? Um, I think we. I think uh, Jamie mentioned something about her upcoming Halloween releases, and I said they had that on the roster. I think that's how it came okay. up. But, yeah, yeah, but I, mean, I just, re- I just recently rewatched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently rewatched it, and I uh, it was good. I I I think like when you first watched it back in the day, you were surprised how good it was because you yeah expected mm-hmm. absolutely nothing of it. Um, I mean it it shows its age now. Uh, I mean it's kind of a quintessential underground eighties flick, but um, it's enjoy it's enjoyable. It's it's fun. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, I I had a lot of fun with it revisiting it. Yeah, what was, it was the score controversy? Like the final score comes from Michael Convertino, I think. Mm-hmm. That's Somebody right. else composed the original score and they discarded it, I think. I can't remember who did it. Uh, I remember that story, but I don't remember the details about who the original composer was on that. Uh, but yeah, Michael like Convertino. How off-base ba- <laughs> off do you have to be to have your score dismissed for The Hidden? Like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good point. Good point. Yeah. Well, Criterion issued Vampire, uh, the or Vampire, uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer's 1932 film, which was kind of overshadowed by the release of Dracula the same year. And um, I must admit, I have not seen this one. But, oh, it's uh, a masterpiece. You got to yeah. watch it. Yeah, I've yeah, always heard that. Fan- fantastic. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, fantastic, fantastic movie. Uh, mm. uh, just brilliantly photographed. Um, uh, almost, it almost feels like a silent film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it is truly horrifying. I think. Uh, you know, it ha- has to have been a, an influence on on David Lynch. This has to be one of his favorite movies. Uh, you can you can just feel the connection there, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's got to be seen, got to be seen. If you've never seen Vampire, uh, you must watch it, especially if you're a horror. That's fan. a cri- that's a Criterion, right? Uh, yes, yes, it is. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I, I had the Criterion. I guess it was might have been DVD when that first came out years ago. Yeah. Of Vampire. Yeah. I didn't get a review copy on this one, so I'll have to pick it up later on. But uh, so, so here's uh, a Kino release from 1984. Get a load of this cast. The movie is called The Ambassador, directed by J. Lee Thompson. And the cast <laughs> is, uh, you're going to love this. The cinematography, by the way, is by Adam Greenberg, who did Terminator 1 and 2. But uh, listen to this cast. It's Robert Mitchum, Ellen Burstyn, Rock Hudson, Fabio Testi, and Donald Pleasance. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Lee Thompson. Yeah. He was he was uh he, he kind of he was kind of a hack director, right? I mean mm, am I being mean yeah. by saying this? <laughs> yeah. There's there's a couple of bright spots, but not No, there are a couple of bright spots he, but he, he, the end. I mean he was a worker bee. Um, no, I mean he was, he was a good director. He, he was he was 
I'm sorry, go ahead, No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But he fits your description, Dean. You're talking about, you know, journeyman directors. I don't think there's anyone more journeyman than that. I mean, he's he's definitely, he was a guy who, um, you know, towards the end there was very desperate for work. And, um, you know, but he was when he, he came and he delivered a lot of good movies. I mean, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's, um, uh, you know, an unfair assessment. He did make a lot of good movies. He was, he was what... Hollywood does not produce that much of anymore. So um, I, you know, That's I true. for that. I mean, he he was a true workman like director, professional. He he delivered. Uh, you know, he's the guy that got it done. As Aaron would say, he got the job done. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he, I, I, it, what's his most famous movie? Would you say his most famous movie is Cape Fear or something else? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Guns of Navarone, I would think. I mean, uh, you know, but I mean, may- maybe not today. As I-, I don't hear many people talking about Guns of Navarone now, but back then, that was a major uh, action uh, mainstay. Uh, you know, I mean, certainly, he's, you know, you mentioned Cape Fear, and I like Tiger Bay from from 1959 with uh, with uh, Haley Mills in it. But um, uh, you know, as far as later on, Firewalker. Uh, you like Firewalker with Chuck Norris and Lou Gossett Jr. <laughs> oh, he did that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I did, was the last. He did the did. Be, He did one of the best Planet of the Apes movies, Conquest of yeah. the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, uh, important director. So I mean, I don't see any. Well, what about the reincarnation of Peter Proud? That's not too bad, from what I remember. Yeah. That's probably the last, you know, when when it turns into the late 70s, he he had two movies that really back-to-back that kind of killed him, uh, killed his career, which were The White Buffalo, the absolutely terrible mm-hmm. uh, uh, Charles Bronson vehicle, yes. and then The Greek Tycoon, the yes. biopic of, uh, yeah. of uh, Aristotle and Nassus with... Yeah. Um, who, uh, it was uh, Anthony Quinn and uh, yeah, was Anthony it Quinn, Jacqueline Jack Bissett? Bissett. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, yeah, that was uh, and then and then after that, he's pretty much uh, he's pretty much in um, Charles Bronson's pocket. For yeah, the rest I mean, of he his, does. Uh, yeah, he really is. Uh, he did make the King did Solomon's the, uh, Mines. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. King Solomon's Mines, of Richard Chamberlain. Yeah, he did. did. He do, yeah. Did he do the, se- the sequel, Alan Quatermain, Lost City of Gold? No, he didn't. No, 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 no. Okay. So somebody he, else. He wouldn't even stoop that far. So that's a, no. That's a good yeah. idea. But if they offered it to him, I'm sure they would have. He would have. Well, he did. He did a lot of good movies though too. I mean, look, it happens to everyone. If you stay long enough in this game, they're gonna. Mm-hmm. I think it's him. If, if if I'm not mistaken, a guy he tried to. You know, he was so desperate for work, he'd go into the borders in Westwood to try to get someone to look at a script. I mean, that's how desperate he yeah. was towards the end. I mean, so you know, we have to take that in consideration. If you do manage to stay in the game this long and you're not a Scorsese or a George Miller on Eastwood, it's, it's very, you got to take what comes your way. And sometimes yeah. comes your right. way. So. Yeah. Well, he did take Death Wish for the crackdown, so. Yeah. <laughs> and can do forbidden subjects. So, I mean, he really, he really was there for Bronson's um, downfall. I mean, I mean, Death Wish 4 was so bad that Michael Winter wouldn't even take it, and he took two and three, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Uh, so, uh, oh, man. Anyway, I digress. 
Uh, how about speaking of no, other bad films? How about Prancer, the uh, Christmas film with Sam Elliott and Cloris Leachman <laughs> from 1989? <laughs> oh my God! Directed by John Hancock. So. Oh yeah. no, not John Hancock. Yes. You yeah. got to uh, start somewhere. Everybody's got to. Yeah. You know. He's well, an underrated director, though. Yeah, he's, he I, is. I, I feel like he's very underrated. Bang the, the drum. Bang the drum slowly. Uh, Didn't he let, uh, let Scare Jessica to death? Didn't he do that one? Yes. Yeah. And uh, and uh, California Dreaming. Yes. That, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I really like that one. Uh, yeah, he's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Everybody has a bad day, like you said. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what or about several? Yeah, or several. <laughs> That's the truth. The uh, Synapse has uh, issued a special edition of Popcorn from 1991 with uh, Jill Sholin and Dee Wallace, and uh, directed by co-directed by Alan Ormsby, who of course uh, was involved with uh, what Black Christmas, I believe he wrote the script or something. Uh, it was Deranged. He did Deranged, and deranged. and uh, didn't he do? Uh, he did also Children Don't Play with Dead That's Things. That's the right? one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. So, so popcorn yeah. has a little bit of cult following. I remember seeing it when it came out. I wasn't impressed, but uh, it has a cult geez, following. I, I barely right. remember it. It's a horror movie. It's another horror movie, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. What's it's the one premise? Of those, one of those meta type horror movies, you know, like Scream or something. Except it was mm. before that. But uh, what about? Yeah, the only thing I remember about it is the poster. Because I, I remember mm-hmm. a lot of those horror movies, especially a lot of those throwaway horror movies. They knew their only shot was having an interesting design on their poster, mm-hmm. like a provocative, mm-hmm. uh, provocative illustration. Uh, yeah. So you pick up the bo- so you pick up the video box or something, you know. Yep. True. Oh, what about the uh, 1996 film, the original Gangsters, which was directed by uh, co-directed by Larry Cohen and Fred Williamson, and starring Fred Williamson, Jim Brown. Pam Greer, Paul Winfield, Isabel Sanford, to name a few, Ron O'Neill, Richard Roundtree. Uh, I've always been meaning to get a, get around to that, but uh, you know, it, I I I can't make myself do it. I'm afraid I'm just <laughs> going to see all these Gary people. Indiana. Gary, Indiana was a hotbed of such criminal activities when I was watching it. Oh uh, God, it's been like what 20 years since this movie came out. It was just like, wow, I did not know Gary, Indiana at the time was like this hotbed of gang activity and everything. So. <laughs> Gary, Indiana is one of the most dangerous uh, cities in America. And I has been for many, many, many years. Uh, so, Fuck you, uh, Gary. The hometown of the... Are they in a nursing home or something in the movie? <laughs> no, 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 not at that time. No, they're not, believe it or not. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, cuz there's another there's a similar movie like the the mafia hit guys that are all in a nursing home. It's Burt Reynolds and that be more careful, right? The crew with Richard Dreyfuss, I think yeah. that too yeah. or the crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Here we go again. Oh, oh man. Mm. Well, anyway, the original Gangsters is out there from Kino for consumption, as is uh, the 80th anniversary edition of the Lo- of Lost Horizon, one of the early Frank Capra films. Which oh, that's a good movie. That's yeah. A good movie. Yes. 
Very good. Got a, this is the, uh, I think it's only four minutes short of its original full length. They've found all the footage with the exception of four minutes. So, and it's a new 4K restoration, so. Uh, and then we have did the 1986. Find, did they find the scene of Gene Hackman playing the piano before? <laughs> no. I don't know if Gene Hackman was born then. I'm not sure. Maybe he was. Uh, now, uh, actually, you know, Lost Horizon, they attempted to remake that in the 70s, if you remember what they did. And that is the the remake was the movie that led to the breakup of uh, Burt Bacharach and Hal David. They never spoke after that, mm. from what I understand, uh, because right. they argued over the score for that film. So, yeah. So it kind of. Oh man, that's yeah, sad. It, it was the one that broke them. <laughs> yeah, they just uh, couldn't get together on that, and it it, it broke them up for good. But, uh, um, yeah. That's terrible. So, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, the director's cut has been paired with the theatrical version uh, from Warner's. So, you can, um, I've never seen the theatrical, uh, the director's cut, which I know is the version that the that uh, Frank Oz preferred, and he was really saddened uh, with the preview audiences who dictated they reshoot a happy, sunny ending. Because the original ending had uh, Seymour and... Um, Audrey both getting killed, but uh, you know. They I, I mean, it. that's how the that's how the, uh, the original play, movie uh, ends, uh, right? Right, yeah, and the play too, I believe. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they should have done that. They should have kept yeah. that, but. But. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. So, uh, and then we had uh, how about Jodie Foster's directorial debut, Home <coughs> for the Holidays? Do we have any love that's not for that? I thought that was Little Man Tate. Was it is Little Man Tate. I'm sorry it was the follow-up to Little Man Tate. You're exactly oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, sorry. No, no, no. It's, I, like, it, I thought it would be funnier, to be honest with you. I won't lie to you. I thought I was expecting something that would be funnier. I remember mm-hmm. at the time being kind of disappointed with it. So that's just me, though. But um, I I've never the, seen I it. the same way. But there, but there are some people that like that movie, to watch that movie. Oh, yeah. The holidays. Oh. Uh but I'm 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 with you, Jerry. I, I was uh, really underwhelmed by it. But um, yeah, I do remember Little Man Tate very well. <clears throat> she uh, she hasn't really. What was the last movie she directed? The Beaver, I think. The Beaver. Oh, yeah. no, 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 Beaver. it wasn't. It was uh, it was that money movie, Money Monster. That's oh yeah, right. yeah, you're right. Yeah, I forgot oh, about that. Yeah, oh god, I, and I forgot that one too. Really, it was that's bad. Been really. It was bad. It's how bad that one. I forgot all about that. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, yes, that was, was that was that was a definite fall from grace. Yes. Well, uh, so we have a Lucio Fulci 1972 horror film, "Don't Torture a Duckling" from Arrow. Uh. So if you're a Fulci fan, well, there you go. If you're not, well, you probably need not apply. I I I despise Fulci even more than I do most of the uh, <laughs> most of the Italian horror directors. <laughs> Umberto Lindsay, who who just passed away just recently. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, but uh, yeah, Fulci. I I can't stand mm-hmm. any of those Fulci movies. Isn't he the one that the zombie where the zombie attacks a shark or the shark attacks a zombie or something or? Yeah, that's, zombie. That's one of his movies. Yes. Yeah, zombie. I believe. That's yeah. probably his biggest movie. Yeah. Mm, okay. All right. Yeah. Gonna... Fulci just well, sounds like a like a disgusting euphemism for like. Half belch, half fart 
it just the, the yeah. name. So. <laughs> or like a skin wow, disease or really, something. Jamie, you really need both orbits there. I mean, <laughs> I got a yes. It's, it's like a, another his word name, for a blister or something. His, his name reminds me of a queef. That's that's what I have to say about him. Well, yeah. there you go, folks. You'll never hear anything that good again. Um, yes. <laughs> Hitting the heights on this episode. Okay. City of Industry from 1997 from Kino. I love that movie. Okay. It's a great movie. Is that Harvey Keitel? Yes. Harvey Keitel. Yep. Stephen Dorff. Or is that something else? No, that's that's, um, And Famke Jansen, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's correct. That's correct. God, I haven't Hmm. seen that in forever, but I love that. That was a good movie from what I remember. What was it? What is it? What is it? What is well, it? Well, hey, exactly? there's a Rob, you know, Rob. It's like Harvey Keitel still capitalizing, like, on Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and Bad Lieutenant. He's still doing a lot of, like, crime-oriented movies. This is directed by John Irving, um, who That's did right. Dogs of War and um, Hamburger Hill. And um, mm-hmm. Did he do what, did he did Raw Deal, too, the Schwarzenegger one? Yes, he did. Mistaken. That's correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was a good, he's a good director. But so it's a, a high school and wrong. Steven Dorff portrays everyone. I believe Harvey Keitel's brother is, you got to forgive me, it's been so long, but is killed in the process, and he's going to get revenge. And I actually think it's one of Harvey Keitel's better performances because he really is allowed acts outside, like, you know, like in Smoke or something, his normal range at the time. So it's a, it's a really good movie. I think when we did our you know, that show of, like, um, 20 of our favorite films from the past, like, 20 years, I believe I put that, that was one of the films I put on there, so... Mm. I think so too. Yeah, I I think I remember it being a good movie. But you just mentioned Smoke, and oh my God, I love that movie Smoke. That's a great movie, man. Underrated. Smoke is beautiful movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Smoke is an awesome movie. Well, here's here's one that's not so awesome. How about Children of the Corn from, from Arrow Video? <laughs> Which one? Do they release one? this thing like every year? What, what yeah. the hell? These well, Children of the Corn movies. Oh. I, think that, I think they released all of them except the first one, which is from a different studio, which was at the time New World Pictures. And uh, somebody God else got the other one. So, yeah, this was... Okay. This is when so New World. Are there, more, are there more Children of the Corn movies or Friday the Thirteenth movies? I think there's more Friday the Thirteenth, but barely. I mean, there's like uh, seven or eight of the Children of the Corns. And I think there's. Uh, how Christ, does that man. movie? How do they Who's keep making those Children of the Corn? Uh, that's a good There's question. a lot of corn out there. What do you? Wait, it's our number one cash. It's our number one cash crop. The first one was terrible <laughs> to begin with, so you know, it's, and it didn't get any better from there. So, what they should do is they should do a Children of the Corn where all the children have diabetes from high fructose corn syrup. That should be the <laughs> ultimate like horror. <laughs> yeah, well, or, or Children of the Creamed Corn. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Or, or better yet, Children of the Corn versus the kids from Gummo. Now that was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, it's uh, yeah, it's Arrow Video has released it in a deluxe special edition, but uh, they did redeem themselves somewhat because they also released a remastered Fish Called Wanda with lots of extras on it. So that's it's a little bit of a step up from Children of the Corn, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So, well, you yeah. know, and it's interesting those Children of the Corn movies, and I promise this is the last thing I have to say about it. But yeah. the the first one, uh, Linda Hamilton's in the first one. But if that's you look right. at some of the other the other ones, 
there are some big stars that got their first movie in the Children of the Corn franchise. Like mm-hmm. Naomi Watts, I think, is in one, like four or something. And yeah, people show up. Right. You know, you could you could say the same thing about a lot of horror franchises. Like the yeah. first time you see Paul Rudd is in one of the bad Halloween sequels, and mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger in the fourth Texas Chainsaw, and on and on. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, you got to start someplace. That's yeah. right. Um, so Robert England's uh, directorial debut, and it may be the only directorial credit he has, 976 Evil, has been issued with uh, in a director's cut with 12 extra minutes from Sony with uh, Stephen Jeffries, who you know had a part in uh, the 1985 Fright Night. He's got the lead in this. But, um, you know, it's been like 30 years since I've seen it, or almost, so I don't – I remember not responding – too well to it years ago. He's really, he's really stepping outside his comfort zone with directing this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I found his directorial work in 976 Evil uh, kind of phoned in. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't get the job done. Yeah. He got the job done. Yeah. Uh, so here's something um, to get excited about, I think. The 1941 film... Uh, the Sea Wolf has been issued with 15 extra minutes of footage uh, from Warner Archive that was thought to be lost. It's the uh, 1941 film that's based on the, the Jack London novel, and it's uh, Edward G. Robinson, Ida Lupino, and John Garfield. And this, uh, like I said, this was thought to be uh, this version was thought to be lost, and they uh, just recently uncovered this footage, and so it's out there as well. That's that's kind of cool, actually. That'll be that'll be yep. curious to check out. Is this Michael Curtiz? That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So never yeah, seen it. So that that'll be good. Yeah, it gets uh, the word of mouth has always been strong. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but it's it's at the top of yeah, the Yeah. How list. much never before seen film history is just sitting idle somewhere in a vault in someone's <clears> vault. <throat> A lot of it. Yeah. It is. It's a amazing. lot, obviously. I mean. Yeah. It is. It's amazing. And then they keep turning up stuff, which is great, uh, you know, because maybe the Amberson footage will turn up. Maybe the footage from Private Life of Sherlock Holmes. Who knows? There's tons yeah. of stuff that we're hoping for. So um gives us hope. But um, anyway, so the Mario Bava is another one of those horrible oh, directors. Yeah, so how about Kill Baby Kill? Kino has issued this in a newly restored 2K uh, edition from 35mm elements with documentary and all that type stuff. So if you're a Bava fan, rejoice, because Kill Baby Kill has been issued. (laughs) I found it to be just kind of ho-hum. It's a little, it's atmospheric, nice Nice atmosphere, but that's about it. It just doesn't really do it for me. But and yeah. I know for some fans that's, of that stuff is that's probably heresy, but <laughs> for me to say, yeah, well, I'm with you 100. Don't say anything bad about Larry Vance. They'll, mm. they'll, they'll, they'll burn a, they'll burn the studio down. <laughs> so, uh, Dream Girls has been issued in a 10th anniversary edition with. Uh, 12 minutes of extra footage and a director's cut. So it uh, has a photo book and song lyrics and, oh, never-before-seen auditions and screen test footage from Jennifer Hudson. 
So if you're a Dream Girls fan, your dream has come true. <laughs> if only Dream Girls could have gotten the music right, it would have been an okay movie. But the music is so wrong. It's so not does not sound like sixties music. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music that the era, of the era it's supposed to be set in that uh, that it just takes me right out of the movie. I'm just like you know. The, to me, there's only one good song in the whole movie, and that's the thing that Jennifer Hudson sings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. the highlight of the movie. I mean, that's the, yeah. that is the big moment. Yeah, yeah that's the big more. Moment. That's more of a performance. That's more of a more driven by performance, I think. Um, yes, I mean, I, it, uh, I mean, it, it, it is a good it, song, but but it, uh, it's it, it too is not made. like a '60s song at all. But it's not supposed to be like something that they're performing on the you know on the right. stage or whatever. Um, but uh, everyone was crying at the end of that number in the theater. I'll never forget that everyone was just crying at the end of Jennifer Hudson's number. I mean, my mom well, gave a handkerchief to the woman next to. Yeah, well, I mean, she's fantastic in the movie, and I, I do like Eddie Murphy in it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wish the I wish the rest of the movie came, came up to that, that level. And uh, but it's just hamstrung by the score, which I know is a huge, massive hit on Broadway, and pe- maybe the score worked better there. But uh, in the movie, it just doesn't doesn't work mm-hmm. for me at all. Agreed, agreed. Can't can't argue with that. Uh, so, how about Penelope Spheris' nineteen eighty seven film Dudes? I was just thinking about that a couple of weeks ago, actually. Yeah. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. You, know, you just, have you ever like you know I don't know like throughout the day you just like zone out. You think hey, I wonder what. I wonder what happened to dudes. I wonder, you know, I wonder what you know, Penelope Spears is up to these days. And dudes, because like, dudes, remember that whole period in between the two decline films, and she was making other films. And um, mm-hmm. I remember dudes. I, try, I remember watching it like on cable late one night. I guess I want to say like the early nineties. I was like, wow, this movie really blows. Um, okay, yeah. but that's just, that's that's where the mind takes you some days. I wonder what what the yeah. dudes. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's collector's uh, edition. This- is this uh, okay? So, so it's uh, is it is it John Cryer that's in this one? It is. Yes. This is this pre. Uh, is this is this post Pretty in Pink or? No, this I is, think uh, it's post Pretty in Pink pre yeah. Hiding Out. That's what I was gonna uh, say. Yeah, it's following I, I closely hope, on I the hope, heels. I hope I slit my own throat later in the night for knowing that. Yeah. Um, I really. <laughs> This, this hey, man, he should have he, he should have started hiding out before dudes came along. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the well, story. Let's put this in context. You know, uh, the same year he 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 did appear in Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. So let's oh, not forget that. Oh, clearly the better movie. <laughs> <laughs> and what, when was when was No Small Affair? What was that? That was the first movie that he did, right? Wasn't that the first? Yeah, that might have been the year before. Yeah, with Wait, no uh, with, oh, yeah. with Demi Moore. Yeah, really? yeah. <laughs> no, John. Oh. Wait, no small affair. The John Holmes story. I mean, what? what, what, what? <laughs> 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 well, okay. No, uh, the, the John Holmes story. The name of that was the Big Sick or whatever that movie was. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Well, the uh, 1947 version of uh, Miracle on 34th Street has been uh, issued in a 70th, 70th anniversary edition mm. with audio commentary by Maureen O'Hara and the mm. Hollywood backstory documentary Miracle on 34th Street. There's Fox Movie Tone News uh, newsreel here and um, uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade floating in history thing mm. and promotional shorts and photo gallery, so uh, poster gallery, so... Uh, they've done Miracle on 34th Street pretty nice, uh, and they uh, they also just opted to uh, eliminate the colorized version from this edition, which is also a good thing. <laughs> that is good. That is a yeah. Good, that's one of the few, That's yeah. one of the few uh, um, Christmas movies that I think works uh, mm-hmm. without it. You can watch it without it being Christmas. Like it's it's still mm-hmm. it's still a very very good movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, outside of the holiday, and of course, Oscar-winning performance by Edmund Gwynn and mm-hmm. uh, an early performance by uh, by Natalie Wood. Uh, yeah, so uh, child performance from her. So, and a very very good script by George Seaton. So yeah, and later rewritten, of course, by John Hughes in the 1994 remake. But uh, and I'm tying. I'm saying John Hughes to tie it into uh, the 30th anniversary of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which Paramount has opted to issue. It's actually just a reissue of the previous disc. But uh, you know, there's some nice little documentaries and featurettes here, and one deleted scene, which is actually pretty funny. And uh, and there's a tribute to John Candy. So uh, you know, if you want to go back and revisit Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, it's there's a 30th anniversary edition that's just been issued. Um, Warner Archives. You know, there, you know, there's another there's another hour of planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, out there. I, I remember the interview that with, no one, no one's ever seen. I know. So that's, uh, that'd be interesting to see. Mm, the three-hour version of of planes, trains, yeah. and automobiles. I, I I still think that is the movie that I've probably laughed the hardest in. Gave me my heart the hardest laugh I've ever had. Like where you know, I just I just thought my head was going to explode. But uh, that that scene where they go in between the two trucks. Me too. So I had the same. Oh reaction. my god. <laughs> oh my god. I, I laughed so hard. I, oh god, so great. I, I yeah. still I still love that film. I do too. And it's a great, and, it's a great movie. And there's an you know yes, you talk is, about yes. the, the stuff that's cut out of it. If you pay close attention, which I've seen it so many times now, I notice it. There, uh, I notice John Candy inexplicably gets a black eye, and they don't really you know he's got a black eye in some <laughs> scenes, but he doesn't in others. And there's a there's a joke there that somehow was eliminated. I don't. I would love to know. What the origin is of the black eye, but I guess we'll never know. But uh, <laughs> if you pay attention, you'll notice that that happens. Mm. So, I just um, I just want to see the scene that the, that the uh, the editor Paul Hirsch told me about. Yeah, where it, it was just focused on John Candy, and he was shoving hot dogs in his mouth, drinking a big mug of beer, and smoking a cigarette at the same time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that would be so great. Brilliant. Oh, my God. Well, here's a movie that uh, has had a cult following for years. I'd heard about it for 40-plus years and uh, used to see it in reference books when I was a kid, but I finally got around to it. The Green Slime from 1969. 
And uh, it's, it, I have it's to a, say that that is a title that has <clears throat> has stuck with me for many years as well, mm. and I've still never seen it. It's so how pretty is bad. It? It's pretty it bad. It really uh, is. It's, it's, it's pretty it's, bad. It's a Japanese film with American actors, and it's the kind of yeah. movie that you watch three o'clock in the morning in your parents' bedroom, yeah. and you're about six or seven years old, yeah. and your dad's yelling at you, "Can we turn this shit off?" I mean, that's kind of <laughs> that sounds like a very personal experience, Jerry. <laughs> no, uh, because you know that's very specific. Pictures of pictures of infamous monsters. <laughs> In the early 70s, you're like, oh, God, this looks really awesome. And you're watching it, and you're just like, well, first of all, where the fuck is the green slime? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just, you know, where's the monster and everything, you know, and it's just not. Yeah. But it's got, worthy of note, though, it does have the chick from um, You Only Live Twice, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, she has some other acting credits there um, in her resume. So, I mean, You Only Live Twice in um, The Green Slime. So, there you go. You used to be able that, to get green slime, you know, when you put a quarter in those machines or something. Mm-hmm. They used to come out yeah. of a cup. They still yeah, have yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, it, it's true. You know what was great about the green slime was the ad campaign. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has a great ad campaign. They're, they're probably using it for the for the uh, for the cover of this. Uh, Blu-ray or whatever, but What's that's you know really sad is the great director who's one of the directors on it is really one of the great Japanese directors who made a lot of great films um, up to the very end. I mean, he was constantly working, and, but I have a horrible feeling outside of Battle Royale, this might be his most popular film with that or most with Western audiences. Um, mm. it, well, like that's what, that's that's what, he made a lot of great movies. Throughout his career, um, so and that the Green Slime, of course, I think does take the thing as one of his more popular releases. Sadly, <laughs> it's uh, you know the music is by Charles Fox, who would later <laughs> go on to write the uh, you know Killing Him so- Killing Me Softly with his song, among many other pop songs, and scored Foul many play feature and films. All that stuff, right? right? Yeah. Uh, true. Yes. And, did he uh, do Happy? Did he do the theme to Happy Days too? He did. Yes, for Anna <laughs> and Shirley. Yes. Uh, I'll never look at Happy Days the same way ever again. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's what what I'm getting at is this this has a uh, one of those pop tunes that feels so tonally out of place with the rest of the movie when it when the opening credits come on. It's the late '60s, has that quote unquote groovy feel, you know. (laughs) Groovy. it's it's you know and and the movie uh, for those who don't know uh, was is so bad that it. it inspired them to to do uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. This was the first episode of Mystery Science Theater was uh, the Green Slime when they were still oh. on a local local television station. So it was before they even uh, went to Comedy Central. Oh wow, that's that's an interesting piece of trivia. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, for years I've known people who have bought these really expensive imports of this from other. You know the VHSs and the DVDs, and there were subpar transfers. But so if you're a fan of this, I mean it looks great. I mean they've done a ter- tremendous job, maybe too good because you can see the strings on the spaceships and everything. But uh, you know, but the green slime is there from Warner Archive for those who are who have to have it. And uh, one of my favorite films, uh, well, one of my favorite film debuts, I should say, by a director is Take the Money and Run, Woody Allen. 
Uh, oh, yeah. I think it's a hysterically funny movie. The Kino has put that out. No extras, unfortunately. And we know there's tons <laughs> of footage there that would, we'd love to see because, uh, you know, the film was notoriously shaped by Ralph Rosenblum, the editor, because when it, you know, re- he originally shot it and finished it, that uh, it was deemed just a, a total failure and a mess, and he was panicking and. So they brought in Ralph Rosenblum, who would later collaborate with him many times. Uh, you know, most notably on Annie Hall, and he he put put the another thing movie together. he saved in the editing room, right? Yes, exactly, he did, and uh, his his handprints are all over it. When you look at it from a, a stylistic standpoint, if you've seen Ralph Rosenblum's uh, other things, he had his hands in, you know, like a thousand clowns and the producers. Mm. He also saved that one, I think, to a certain degree too. Because uh, Mel Brooks was bitten by a, a case of overconfidence and wouldn't listen to anybody, according to Ralph Rosenblum's autobiography, and and uh, <laughs> and he got himself in trouble. So he's yeah. he's kind of a. By the way, the name of that movie. autobiography is "I Saved Every Movie Ever Made." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think saved it in the couple. editing room. Yeah, it's called "When the Shooting Stops." It's really good, by the way. But uh, anyway, take the money and run. Finally, well, take, take the money and run. That the bank robbery scene where she can't read his writing on the oh, yeah. on the bank robbery <laughs> that's note. Classic. I have a yeah. gub. What is that? No, no, that's <laughs> an air. gun. Gun. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. And the part where he carves the uh, the gun out of uh, and when he goes to jail and he carves the gun out of soap and <laughs> dips it in shoe polish and he goes outside and it, a rainstorm comes up and he's got a handful of bubbles. <laughs> so it's, it's such a great. Funny movie, and uh, you know, uh, oh, of course, the part part where he's playing the cello in the marching band, and he has to have the chair. He oh. carries the chair with him in one hand and the cello in the other, and he has to sit down every two seconds. So. <laughs> I always think about that. I don't know why, but I always uh, do think about that image when I think about so, that movie. So funny, uh, so so great. Yeah, just many many great gags. But uh, uh, previously, it was it was released in a one point thirty three to one aspect ratio, where the you know, the sides of the picture were lopped off. But thankfully, that's been corrected, and it's uh, widescreen for the first time. So, anyway, um, the Flamingo Kid has been issued by Kino as well, uh, as ha- as also has uh, Young Doctors in Love. So two uh, Gary Marshall films. From early in his career, mm-hmm. so, um, Young Doctors in Love and The Flamingo Kid—they both have extras, uh, commentaries, and trailers, and all that. So, uh, anyway, uh, and Universal has issued a bunch of stuff here from their archives. The Babe with uh, John Goodman. <laughs> oh no, you're kidding! <laughs> yes, I know. It's terrible. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why are they doing this? Wait, wait, did uh, someone asked for that. I mean, uh, someone, uh, was there a demand? Some of these films, even uh, recent ones, are so I just can't. I mean, yeah, just someone or they're trying to pay off the. They're still trying to make back the money. I mean, I don't know. But for the love of the game is another out, one. Didn't that come out the same year as uh, Cobb? Weren't they like competing baseball biopics? No, 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 no. But Cobb is a couple years later. No, yeah, it was a couple years later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. one of them good. I remember both. It came out about the same time as uh, the same year. I think was King Ralph, another terrible John Goodman. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and I remember the Bur- the Burger King tie-in with King Ralph. That's yeah. the only thing I remember about that movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Just, I shivered. I, I shudder to think 
<laughs> those are both terrible, terrible. And Problem Child they've issued, which has some sort of a cult uh. following, I'm told. Uh, and they also issued Ed TV, the Ron Howard film, and both uh. and base, <laughs> Basketball. So those oh, are all okay. universal titles. Really, were they just oh really? They're all trying to make back money that they lost. It seems like now basketball is from the South Park guys, which I just remember was like flat at times. It wasn't yeah. didn't have any of the. It didn't have any of the humor of that um, from the show at all. Though it's kind of really amazed how unfunny it was. I know, and directed by uh, David Zucker, I believe, from the Naked yeah, Gun. So yeah, but here is oh God, a good... that's right. Yeah, I know. But there are a couple other good titles uh, that were released on that day on October 10th that I will vouch for. One is Avante. Oh, God, we're on, only on October 10th. Please. Yeah, I know. It's not, well, we're moving through fairly quick. The other ones aren't. There aren't as many titles on the other days. But uh, Avante, Avante is directed by Billy Wilder. I love that film, and uh, I'm glad they – it's one of the latter films of his career from 72 – and, you know, he wasn't really, his films were really, he kind of was a forgotten director at that point. But uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, interviews yeah. and trailer gallery, I think this is one of his latter-day masterpieces, which I just, I love it. And I think it's very, very funny. Great Jack Lemmon performance. And uh, Amoros uh, Peros, the um, That's a great Alejandro, movie. Yeah, Gonzalez Inaritu's, uh 2000 film. Uh, Lionsgate has issued that. And the uh, the Orson Welles, uh, the uh, 1952, I mean, um, the yeah Orson Welles Othello from 52 has been issued by Criterion. So uh, there's that as well. So uh, that takes us up to the next day, October 17th, which we can um, move right along with Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Yeah, we went. Criterion. I just want to bring this up. We we went yeah. from basketball to Orson Welles' Othello. I mean, that's why I love <laughs> these these segments with you, Adam. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. That's, that's some variety. <laughs> we're all over the map. We really are. It's true. And now we're moving into Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, which is Criterion. Um, has a uh, restored 4K digital transfer with a 7.1 surround sound master, supervised by David Lynch. An alternate original 2.0 surround sound. Uh, the missing pieces, which is 90 minutes of deleted and alternate takes, assembled by Lynch. Interview from 2014 uh, by Lynch with the actor Cheryl Lee, Ray Wise, and Grace Zabriskie. New interviews with Lee and composer Angelo Badalamenti and trailers and excerpts from the interview with Lynch from Lynch on Lynch. And the 1997 book edited by filmmaker Chris Rodley. So... If you're a Twin Peaks firewalk with me kind of person, there you go. They've done it. Just I'll probably I'll probably have to get that. I'll probably yeah. have to get it. Is, they're, they're, is they're, 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 they've done oh, they've done a lot of uh, Lynch uh, Criterion has. Yeah, got a good relationship. With them. Good. Yeah. And let me ask you this: mm-hmm. Will Cri- Criterion release the complete series, maybe, or will that not go? No, it's I think separately. Yeah, okay. it is. I think Paramount has has the rights to that, and they've already in- announced it. So uh, it's a Paramount thing. Okay. Does Criterion uh, do any television? They don't do much television. They, do they? did one box. Uh, it's called the Golden Age of Television, which I have, uh, and it has all of the kinescopes or, or a huge chunk of the kinescopes from uh, the fifties. It has the original mm-hmm. television productions of Marty 
It has the original Days of Wine and Roses. It has the original Requiem for a Heavyweight and uh, No Time for Sergeants. So uh, the ones that were, you know, before they were made into film versions, these were the original uh, Playhouse 90 or whatever. Okay. The things that are like, they're they're like, some of these are like directed by big directors like uh, Sidney Lumet and and, uh, and, uh, George Roy Hill, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's correct. Years years ago they did uh, Tanner 88, I think. They did? Yeah, yeah, I have that. I have that. Yeah, they did do that. But, yeah, uh, the golden age of television is good, though. It's a very nice box, very nice package. Uh, Barry Lyndon is another Criterion. Um, mm. I did not get a review copy of this one. I guess there's a high demand, but <laughs> for obvious reasons. But the, there's some great extras. The Making Barry Lyndon documentary, uh, 38 minutes. Uh, Achieving Perfection, which is a 16-minute documentary. Timing and Tension, 14 minutes. Drama in Detail, which is 14 minutes. Balancing Every Sound, which is 10 minutes. And On the Costumes, it's 5 minutes. Passion and Reason, 18 minutes, and a cinematic canvas is 15 minutes, which is uh, art curator Adam Aker talks about the inspirations in the fine art world that transferred over to Barry Lyndon. So, and there's trailers, mm. the booklet, uh, it's a new 5.1 mix, uh, accompanied also by the uh, original 1.0 uh, mix, for those who are purists and want the original, but you know, without the 5.1, you do uh, miss the dimensionality that... Uh, that the 5.1 brings to the proceedings when you're watching it in your home theater. So, but you do have that option, and it's a new transfer, of course. So, uh, there you go. The Barry Lyndon is getting uh, pretty good reviews. The uh, the video release uh, on Criterion. <clears throat> so, uh, we'll move from uh, Barry Lyndon to Rawhead Rex. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a dinosaur movie? Is that what this is? I no, forget. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it's the uh, Clive Barker movie about the some devilish creature from hell or something that it's got David Dukes in it and Kelly Piper and I never saw it. Uh, I remember All right, terrible and let's keep it that way. Let's keep yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Moving and on. You know what I want to see? I, I want to see T Rex. I want to see the Whoopi Goldberg T Rex buddy cop movie. On <laughs> when are we going to get that? It could happen. It could happen. So how about I, I, with this list of of titles? It could. That's it's true. true. We know why that. We know why that movie came about. It's it's a fascinating movie uh, or a fascinating story. It's not. A, but uh, uh, Kim Basinger was successfully sued for backing out of boxing Helena. So uh, Whoopi Goldberg was about to back out of T-Rex because she realized how ridiculous it was, but she got scared she'd be sued, so she ended up doing it because of that court case. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Uh, I, I'm sure it's still something she treasures. Yes. Well, uh, we'll move on to uh, Rolling Vengeance from 1987 with uh, Ned Beatty and uh, Don Michael Paul and Lawrence Dane about the uh, the guy who uh, jumps in a uh, the, the the big it's, truck it, and runs over the uh, chases the people that killed his uh, mom and sisters and uh, okay <laughs> Ned Beatty. Uh, so this isn't the ta- this isn't a tank movie because that was tank. no you're thinking about James <laughs> Garner tanks James yeah. Garner yeah. This is James Garner and C. Thomas Howell. No, this is the murderous uh, monster truck, and uh, uh, the guy's after okay. Ned Beatty, who's the villain. So uh, <laughs> from uh, 1987. Poor Ned Beatty. Poor Ned Beatty. It seems like 
throughout his entire career, he's being anal raped in one form or another. <laughs> well, just remember the first line of that obituary, okay? Just remember the first line of that obituary. <laughs> the most famous buggering of all the cinema, right there, guys. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. man. Well, uh,. So anyway, uh got a couple Twilight Times here. Uh, there's a Hammer film called The Pirates of Blood River from uh, 1962. With uh, This has um, Christopher Lee in it, Kerwin Matthews, Glenn Corbett. And uh, it's a pirate film. Uh, it's one of Hammer's uh, rare outings outside of the horror genre. But uh, Then we have the 1947 film uh, Captain from Castile with uh, Tyrone Power, directed by Henry King. Uh, one of the early Technicolor 20th Century Fox, uh, you know, it's a uh, swashbuckling movie. It's one of the swashbucklers, exactly. Play Dirty uh, with Michael Caine, directed by um, and Andre, Andre Dutot. Yes, exactly. Yes, and, uh, Andre Dutot. Yes, yeah. who also did House of Wax, of course. And this... Uh, this is the uh, has a great score too by um, Michael Legrand, which is isolated on a separate track, and um, it this uh, gets comparisons to uh, the Dirty Dozen, which was released I think later. Uh, it's it's really good. It's uh, yeah. it, it's really good. Very very exciting. Very um, mm-hmm. uh, surprising. Surprising in terms yeah. of its script and everything. Uh, it's, yeah. It, uh, it's an underrated underrated film. Yeah. And Isn't Michelle Legrand uh, the the last composer you'd think of for to play a war movie? Like, <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, true. But he's 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 done some some interesting things like Le Mans. You know, he did a James Bond film too. You know, he did Never Say Never Again. So he's uh, occasionally yeah. he pulls one out of the hat that's kind of out of the out of his normal wheelhouse. Uh, Wild Bill, the uh, 1995 Walter Hill. Film. Mm-hmm. I remember with, that. Yeah, which is uh, Jeff Bridges and uh, isn't that Ellen, Ellen Barkin? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think she got. I think she got the the heap of the praise for that movie. It wasn't well received, but people liked her as uh, uh, Annie Oakley or which which one did she I play? Think, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, she was That's Annie Oakley. It. I think. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, Shout Factory has uh, acquired the rights to the Miyazaki Library, and they've. Uh, issued a bunch of those. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle, Kiki's Delivery Service, uh, My Neighbor Totoro, um, Ponyo, Princess Mononoke, yeah. uh, Spirited Away. All of those have been issued. All by beautiful, D- all beautiful movies. All, I'm surprised yeah. that Criterion has, does not have. Uh, I would think Criterion would be a natural for some of these. Yeah, they uh, but Shout Factory acquired the rights, and they they've got a subsidiary label called G Kids that they're issuing them through, and then we have uh, the Mill Creek Entertainment release of Mary Riley with uh, Julia Roberts and. Uh, okay, I like why? that movie. I yeah, like that sure. movie, and I'm Jerry. Glad someone, okay, okay, good for you. <laughs> and there's somebody who likes it. <laughs> I hope you'll buy that copy. I hope that you will buy a copy when that comes out then, or when it, you know. I now, hope. who re- who released that? Who released it? Mill Creek. Mill Creek. Oh Jesus! No, I'm not going to pick that up. But the but the uh, the photography the photography in that is truly stunning. Uh, I think it's like Felipe Russolo or someone shot it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. It's got a nice moody score. It's it's got great mood, 
And Malkovich is interesting presence as Jekyll and Hyde. Well, I, even I though you know his, his Jekyll uh, is very uh, similar to his Hyde. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Malkovich, Malkovich <laughs> we're talking about. I mean, in hindsight, his Jekyll and Hyde is far superior to the most recent Jekyll and Hyde we've gotten. Mm. So I will Russell Crowe. So I will give him that. I mean, I will definitely give him the benefit. You know that that his is a much better interpretation than what we've been stuck with lately. Yeah. So. Well, we we have uh, the, on the other end of the spectrum, we have the 1978 made-for-television film *Summer of Fear*, directed by Wes Craven with Linda Blair and Jeff East and Lee Purcell. And Fran Drake. So that's about the that's about the time that Linda Blair spent in Rick James' basement, right? Is that <laughs> what that movie's about? <laughs> oh, Possibly. We Wes have Craven also, did a cup. He did a number of TV movies. He did. Chiller was yes, another he did. one. Yeah. Chiller. Uh, what about uh, the 1987 film? Another one that has a uh, for 80s nostalgists. A lot of them have the, a fond spot for this one. I think it's just merely okay. Three o'clock high. Directed by Phil Jonu. Casey, yeah, Simosco, Annie Ryan, Richard Tyson. Yeah, it's a it's a cable a kind of movie you check out on cable. I remember watching on cable one night. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I didn't. I know. Yeah, I know there's a cult following for it, but yeah, it's got some Phil dynamic he, uh, he, he, camera work. He really, he really yeah. fell off the map. Phil Joanna. Oh yeah, Phil Joanna. Yeah. Jo- I never was sure how to pronounce it, but yeah. Yeah, so what about uh, a Criterion's also issued, uh, as far as a for- fairly recent film, Personal Shopper, the the recent one with um, they're really Kristen Stewart. Into that director. I mean, they're really trying to get everything. They've, they've released everything, I think, by him lately on um, Criterion first. Um, Summer Hours, I think, also. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, wow. And um, the clouds of Silmaria, or whatever. That, I mean, they really are trying to uh, get I, as much out I, of him as possible. I, I love clouds of Silmaria, but a personal shopper just that wasn't my cup of tea. And ridiculous glass, the floating glass. I mean, mm. like, why even bother? About, why even bother to do that stuff if it's going to look so terrible? I mean, if it's it did look like a so string. Laughable. You could see the string. You could see the string moving back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Well, they call me Bruce from 1982. Kino has issued that, which is kind of a spoof of, you know, kung fu movies. And uh, and then the old dark house from 1932 with uh, Boris Karloff, directed by James Whale, also Melvin Douglas, Charles Lawton, and Ernest Thesiger. And uh, uh, and Gloria Stewart, right? That's uh, true. Yes. You yes. know, from from you know, most Titanic. people will know her from Titanic uh, yeah. uh, as the as the elderly lady. Yeah. This is one of her first roles. Uh, yeah, well, that's a great and, movie. Yeah, and the nineteen ninety one uh, directorial effort of Sean Penn, The Indian Runner, with David Morton, oh, okay. Viggo Mortensen. That's Kino Val- Valeria Galino. Somebody else we wonder about what happened to her. And there, there's, oh, a, there's a late Charles Bronson, Charles Bronson that nobody brings up. He's he's in that, right? No, he's, he's very. That's a very good movie. That's a good movie. I mean, he's in the Indian that. Runner. I didn't realize. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, he is. He yes, goes, he is. He goes I see, father yes. or something. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I think yeah. So, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Excellent. 
Yeah, so the Corpse Grinders has been issued by Vinegar Syndrome. About the, that's the one where they, uh, you know, they, they grind up people and put them into cat food and make a killing out of the, no pun intended, out of selling this cat food. And it's one of those Ted V. Michaels, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if you're a Ted V. Michaels person, then yeah, <laughs> all right. Director of the Worm Eaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> All right. Wow. So, I mean, we're really going to really going to extremes with yeah. Jamieson here. Wow. <laughs> well, wh- <laughs> well, what from about Barry Lyndon to the Corpse Grinders? That's right. Or from Barry Lyndon to uh, Night School with Rachel Ward and uh, <laughs> directed uh, by Ken Hughes. This was her film <laughs> debut, I believe. So, another wow. actress. We wonder what happened to her. But um, anyway, uh, I want to also mention, I don't know if if you guys ever brought it up, but an inconvenient sequel is also being uh, issued on uh, this coming Tuesday. Um, You know, I think it's an important movie for people to watch because of the obvious reasons. So It's important, I agree, and no one wants to go see it. I think Uh, we're like the the only people in the theater. That's that's the the problem we have. You know, I don't know how you get people to... You know, it was something I noticed. There was like maybe like five people in the theater or to go see it. But um, how do you get if people don't, even with everything that's going on, um, weather-wise, how do you get? You just I don't I don't know what you do then. I honestly it's, don't know. It's what, you're saying, what you're saying. What you're saying is that it's a massively depressing subject matter. Nobody's doing anything about it. And yeah. yeah, how do you how do you get people to anybody to go see it? Particularly anybody who disagrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. exactly. But here's yeah. the other thing about the movie: the movie is a bomb. I mean, and it, I mean, notice that was in the news how bad it did that on that Monday. Um, and people think, oh well, it must not be important. You know, people feel like the failure of the movie if they want to. Oh well, no one, it's not real. It's a, it's a hoax. You know, they feel it's a hoax. I mean, that's been seeped into the. And not, I'm not saying everyone, but it seeped into the general population. To some people, oh, it's just a hoax, it's a conspiracy theory, yeah. or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. So that's you, you're dealing with that mindset. So until you're able to crack that, unfortunately, I don't know what you do. Yeah, I just wanted to bring it up, you know, <clears throat> because it is definitely worth seeing, and uh, I think it's. Oh yeah, no, definitely. So, and there's a couple of well, the, the top the top documentary, and I use documentary loosely. Top documentary filmmaker now is Dinesh D'Souza. He's got three of the right. top ten high, highest-grossing documentaries hmm. in history. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how good an inconvenient truth the se- sequel with charismatic Al Gore at the center will do. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. There is that. That's yeah. a good point. I mean, that is a good point. I mean, it's a hard. And plus, the filmmaker sold it. The filmmaker sold it as I saw an interview with them, and they said. You know, this more than aside from the issue, this is a chance to see Al Gore as you'd never seen it before. And I, I was like, well, that doesn't sound very appealing. <laughs> no, no. I, I, well. I, it's an important subject matter. I don't, uh, but I, I was never a fan of the original movie uh, because mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, what is like it's what we're watching it's like a, a sketch presentation here. Yeah, yeah. I, no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. Sorry. Well, the uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis film uh, Blood Feast has been issued by Arrow from 1963. Uh, 
I think this may have been his first film. Lots of extras there. A couple other horror films from Vinegar Syndrome, Prime Evil and Lurkers, which are two that I'm not really familiar with. Uh, those are on the same disc. And then we also have um, Blood Beat from Vinegar Syndrome, which is from 1983. And then we'll move on to the... Uh, the final day of the month, which is the 31st, uh, we have Night Angel, by, uh, which stars Karen Black uh, from 1990. Which uh, She's a fashion ma- magazine editor, and uh, I don't know, it's, it's some sort of horror thriller where she's like a creepy magazine editor or something, Karen Black, but it's typical of the stuff she was doing back then, I guess. And then uh, we have Dawn of the Dead, 2004, the uh, the Zack Snyder remake, which uh, has been issued in a uh, unrated uh, edition, I think for the first time ever, with uh, nine minutes of extra footage. And uh, not all of it is gore. Some of it's character development, which I thought I right. watched it, and that's, it seemed to work well for the movie. I thought it uh, for a remake. It. For a remake, it's a damn good remake, I think. And yeah. I yeah. think it's probably... It's Zack Snyder's. I hate, it is. I think it's Zack Snyder's best film, personally. His best so, movie. I mean, yeah. yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. No, yeah. If he could have followed that template uh, more so, <laughs> he might have been a little. We might be a little more happy with him. But uh, anyway, also they issued Land of the Dead. That's another Scream Factory uh, issue. Is it uh, a topper? Jo- uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is an unrated uh, cut as well. Three minute, uh, four minutes of extra footage. Which there's some extra shots of gore that I don't recall seeing in the theatrical version. But I, I, I watched it again last night. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Land of the Dead. I mean, it's not it's, up to the level of you know dawn, uh, dawn or night, but it's good. Right. It's a good, it's Matt, a decent film. It feels it feels like something like a it feels like a John Carpenter movie or something to, yeah. to me. Uh, it, it's it's fun. I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know, when you're watching Land of the Dead, which is a lesser entry into Romero's series, sure, you, you realize you realize what's what's missing from The Walking Dead, which is fun. Yes, exactly. Fun is nowhere in The Walking Dead. It's just you know no. you watching watching that show you you ha- kind of have to make your own fun. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe maybe right. you're watching it with some people and you're. Yeah, but this this movie brings the fun to you, and uh, it's uh, yeah, you know. I, I mean, it, I was it, talking. It, I was talking to my friend who who really big time because I remember I got a package from publicist before Walking Dead premiered, and it had the first three episodes, and nobody knew it would be this big juggernaut. And I said, hey, you want to watch this new zombie show? And so we watched the first three episodes, and he got hooked. My friend, and he followed it except for last season. He missed last season. So when I talked to him today, and I said, are you going to watch the premiere tonight? And he said, I don't know. I, I missed the last season. I'm like, well, it's not like there's anything to catch up on. The entire show is them walking from one part of the woods to the other and killing zombies yeah. on the way. That's the entire right. show. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's no deviation. You, you, if someone's missing that, you, that was in the last episode that you watched, you yeah. won't even notice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They'll just get lost. Yeah, but it's uh, I enjoyed Land of the Dead and seeing it again. I hadn't seen it since I saw it in a the theater years ago. Right. The uh, I, 19- I particularly like John Leguizamo in it. I think oh, he's yeah. very good in it. Yeah, he's good. So the 1976 film J.D.'s Revenge and other horror films being issued by Arrow. That's a 
It's uh, directed by Arthur Marks and with Glenn Turman, Louis Gossett, Louis Gossett Jr., I mean, uh, and uh, Fred Pinker, Julian Christopher, and never saw this one, but it turned up on cable quite a bit, I remember, years ago, but never did catch it. Uh, but 21 Grams, another Inaritu film. That, wow, uh, uni- like they're really going to him lately, wow. Yeah, Universal's issued that, and... Um, we have uh, several here from Olive that are worth mentioning. The Miracle Worker, the 1962 version, mm. uh, that's being issued, which I think is worth noting. And The Madness of King George is another mm-hmm. one. That, that one issued. I watched the other night. It was uh, It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Watched that, uh, and it's... Uh, it's still fantastic. So well written. Sure. Uh, uh, sure. By, uh, written by Alan Bennett, who uh, you know was one of the uh, one of the original guys in a in a troupe called Beyond the Fringe uh, that included uh, you know Dudley Moore and uh, mm-hmm. and Peter Cook uh, did comedy back in the sixties. Uh, fantastic script. Great Oscar winning art direction by Ken Adam. And uh, and uh, you know, I was watching it. I was thinking, thinking, what happened to Nicholas Hinter? You know, he mm-hmm. used to, um, you know, he he uh, directed also The Crucible, and uh, I guess he became famous directing on stage uh, Nicholas Nickleby, uh, mm-hmm. the famous you know eight hour version of it on stage. Um, but uh, I was like, what happened to him? He's, he he hasn't done a movie in a really long time, mm-hmm. and apparently he's working for the National Theatre in Britain. Uh, he's he's one of the one of the uh, so he's he's gone back to stage, I guess. But uh, I'd like to see him make more movies. I agree. I agree. Well, they uh, they also issued uh, Stay Hungry, or will be issuing it on Tuesday the thirty first. Stay Hungry with Jeff Bridges. All That's a good movie. That's a very yeah. underappreciated movie. Yeah, that, and uh, they'll also be issuing Rock-A-Doodle, the animated film featuring the music of Glenn Campbell and the voice of Glenn Campbell and directed by Don Bluth. Oh, I Maybe forgot that did. Glenn Campbell did the voice, too. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he sure huh. did. That was probably his oh. only animated film that he did. Oh. Are we ending on that? Are we ending on that note? No, um, <clears throat> not quite. Not quite. We got okay. just a few more. Just, uh, just, just like three, no, four okay. more. No, I just want to make sure we're going to end on Rock and Doodle. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have the 1986 film Slaughter High with Carolyn Monroe. That's a line. Oh, it's even better. Oh, yeah, I, see there you go. Oh, that's, I remember that movie. Oh yeah. yeah. And we have. Uh, a couple other olive film releases: The Vampire's Ghost, Return of the Ape Man, and then we have um, Scarecrow from Warner Archive. So we will say that's a good. We can all vouch for that one, right? Yes, mm-hmm. right. Yes, we like that movie. Glad they're getting Warner getting, Archive. Uh, anything extra? Anything extra on Scarecrow? Uh, it's just uh, there's a vintage featurette on the road with Scarecrow and theatrical trailer yeah. and uh, brand new uh, HD master. So, um, <laughs> well, good. You know, maybe worth picking up just for the remastering and and I'd like we to see we can new, inter- new interviews with the actors in that because they oh. they both well I don't know I don't know about Pacino but uh, Hackman thinks that's one of his top five movies. Yeah, it's great. It really is good. 
And uh, and then there's the Devil's Reign, which is being issued from Severin. That's uh, well, remember this cast: Ernest Borgnine, Eddie Albert, Ida Lupino, William Shatner, and Keenan Wynn. Right. <laughs> And John Travolta. And John, him. He's in there and John Travolta, right? <laughs> yeah. he, he, he melts at the end of the film, from what I remember. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and then we will end on this note, which I think is a good note. Uh, Junior Bonner, directed by Sam Peckinpah, starring Steve McQueen. That's a good note to end on, I believe. That's much better than Rockazoodle. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of uh, that's one of Peckinpah's like gentlest movies, I think. It is. Uh, I mean, yeah. do you think gentler than Cable Hogue, you think? or <laughs> mm, Yeah, um, yeah, they're in the same ballpark, that's for sure. Yeah, they I are mean. in the same, mm-hmm. uh, definitely in the same same ballpark, yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's what I think when I think Peckinpah. I think gentle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all he was like, like just a sweetheart. Like, like a spring breeze. <laughs> Cable Hogue. <laughs> Cable Hogue like is a, great. I love Cable Hogue. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good it's Like a spring breeze. breeze. Uh, Sam Peckinpah presents presents The Intern. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, uh, that's in October for you, and uh, that's a wrap, as they say. And this is – I think it's quite a diverse month, but you got to admit there's some good stuff in there. I mean – Yeah. Yeah. No question. No, there are some definitely good movies there, no doubt about it. Yeah. Something for everybody. Yeah, they're really – Bye, guys. yeah, but All I was right. going to say, you know, I posted some of those review titles, and Dean chimed in. He said, uh, well, you can tell this, that, that the Blu-ray is a niche market now. <laughs> <laughs> Judging from yeah, right. I mean, Dean is absolutely right. I mean, it is. I mean, <laughs> who, who's buying these? You know, I mean, like, you know, uh, it's, it's horror people are keeping keeping physical media alive, I think. Yes, that's true. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. Well, anyway, that's it. That's everything. All right. That's it. All that's right, guys. So we're we're uh, off next week. So hopefully uh, no one new will be accused of sexual harassment So uh, in the next uh, seven days. So yeah. we won't be sitting on I any breaking news. I have a horrible news. feeling. I have a horrible feeling like lots of people like that we like, that we, we admire, are just yeah. get thrown into this. I mean, I really yeah. do feel like I am waiting. I am waiting for like everyone that we like and admire. Just and I'm not making light of the what what that means. It's just like this is like every day like that someone new is coming into this. I mean, yeah. I know. Well, let's just hope somebody well, doesn't I die mean, either. So. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. And hopefully, they, hopefully they keep Barry, hopefully they keep Barry Manilow's name out of it. Uh, because I, I don't <laughs> yeah, want that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. No. Of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Yep. All right. Absolutely. All right. Looks like it looks like he made it with two dozen women. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Oh God. He was ready to take a chance again. That's right. (laughs) You remind me. I live in a shell. Safe from the past and doing okay, but not very well. No jolts, no surprises, no crisis arises, my life.
it's over.